Hello and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail and as always today I am joined by Brendan Rorison and today we've got another show lined up for you. It's been a while, um, a lot of stuff happening on the in the Time Extend universe between the new Discord, some uh, semi-viral tweets, one of which is going to be the focus today. Um, but what can we say Adam, it's been a bit wild. Yeah, the start of 2020 has been, um, to, to quote The Simpsons, like we have all the momentum of Runaway Freight Train right now. We are uh, we are really excited about just who the show's reaching, uh, who's really digging it. Uh, you sent me some uh, link to like Resetera, Re- I always say that, Reset Era, whatever, <laughs> about somebody talking <laughs> about the show and they were really positive on it. Everyone there seemed to be really happy about the show talking about racing games that aren't strictly simulations so um it was really really cool and exciting to read uh and thank you know thank you community everybody for just spreading the word and just generally being awesome people the discord is like is such a fun place to be like i feel like i don't even have to like we don't have any moderators or anything like that i don't have to tell anyone anything because everyone's just so cool and generally like (laughs) great to talk to yeah, I'm just I'm waiting for that first big explosion to happen. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what it would be. Maybe if somebody applies serious slander to Ridge Racer Type Four or something. Um, I'm just not sure what this community could make a massive thing. But I guess we'll find out at some point. I mean, it's kind of bound to happen. <laughs> no community is impervious to drama. Uh, there will be drama and time extend uh, eventually. Um, but right now it's all going well. So we're just going to kind of ride that. Although um, as we were just talking. Uh, about before the show the coronavirus does threaten the <laughs> the the first official in-person union of the time extend hosts because uh, i am going to as of now i'm going to see you um about two weeks i guess after the show will publish or a week which which lines up perfectly for our first in-person show but uh it's also tied to a work trip and yeah, they're can- they're canceling some things left and right, so I'm still gonna try to make it out there, but it, it is kind of up <laughs> in the air right now. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like the one thing that could probably have stopped this from happening would be some sort of health panic, and here it is. So, um, yep, the coronavirus is just in time to try and stop the cross Atlantic uh, arcade meetup of our generation. As it turns out, uh, coronavirus is not a fan of time extent, and um, and also not to make it all about us. It is a serious thing, and there are more important <laughs> things in this world than racing games. Even though we're about to talk about very very controversial takes about them, uh, that that is what today's show is about. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess two weeks ago or something like that. At this point, uh, Brendan, you put out a tweet that got I lost track of how many responses. I think like around 200 or something. It might have been more. Let's see. I actually can't yeah. see how many replies, but I think it was up there. It um, was indeed. And um, unfortunately, Twitter doesn't let you track how many quote tweets you get as well. And right, that's a true. lot of what we got was the, the, the quote tweets. That's the thing I'm, I'm most un, like gutted about because there's a lot of takes that we haven't been able to kind of have a, have a look at before this show. Right. The quote tweets, unfortunately are hard to view so i don't know that any of them will be mentioned but uh but yeah so we said a couple weeks ago and we had the show with uh with paul lavelle that we we had wanted to do a show where we react to your most controversial racing game takes and that is what today's show is all about um the way we've decided we're going to do it is 
we're going to read a take. We're going to try and get through as many of these as we can in about an hour. And we're going to decide uh, in real time. We're going to determine on the spiciness level of one to five how spicy your take is. Uh, then we're going to deliberate on the take. And then we are going to say, I guess, whether or not we agree with the take, which will probably come through as we're talking about it. But that's basically it. Yeah. The, the, the scale is really for spiciness. I want to I wanna really put a number to how hot these takes are. Because some people came through with really spicy takes. Yeah. I think that this tweet kind of proved to us what we always expected, that there is actually some real opinions and thought about arcade racing games that goes beyond Forza, Gran Turismo, that type of thing. Like, there's always been this belief in recent times that people have kind of shied away from caring about racing games that much. But some of the stuff people were coming out with... um, and the people that were coming out with them as well, I think I sent you a tweet, Adam, but like the ex-corporate chef of McDonald's get involved at one point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can yeah. even find that one. I was looking yeah. through. Me either. I, I think that was a quote tweet, but like the, I was genuinely shocked that some of the stuff people were saying because it sounded like the type of thing that we would often say, oh, we're the only ones that think about this type of thing, like going beyond the usual Mario Kart comparisons and stuff. There was a lot of surprising in-depth feelings about games that have been lost to the ether. Oh, definitely. And I think that is the perfect segue to get this on the road because I am looking at uh, a take right now from Chris Jones, uh, who's a senior producer at Lucid Games. Lucid Games works on Switchblade. Uh, And his take is that Sega GT 2002 is better than Gran Turismo 2. I'm gonna give this one a five. I think I think oh. this is this is a five out of five. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's a five out of five here as well, and um, that's a perfect ten from time extent. Uh, Chris, I I couldn't disagree more with this take. Um, it's not a better game. Sega GT two two thousand two is all right, <laughs> in as much as it's a lot better than the first game, and uh, before. Well, no, because 2002 came out after GT3 did, so we'd already known what GT3 was. So, yeah, I don't know. It's GT02 has like the handling's really floaty. I don't understand how the career mode works at all. Um, the AI is ridiculous because, like, Brendan, I don't know if you ever really played it, but um, you just get to a point in the game where it's like it doesn't matter if you're driving the fastest thing in the game, you will be beaten by like. WRXs and Celicas like without <laughs> it doesn't make sense it's like I'm in a Viper with a thousand horsepower it apparently doesn't yeah. matter uh, yeah this game is yeah the take is that spicy that it does highlight that I haven't actually played the game and now I'm wondering if I should although it sounds like much like you warned me about Sega GT um, perhaps it wouldn't be best for my enjoyment to actually play it <laughs> You should play it because we're a podcast that's that talks a lot about Sega Racing games, and and that's true. that was the last time they really tried to make a sim, and it's all right. Like, I'll say the track design is really good in some places. Like, they're really interesting tracks in that game, but just like the, I never got down with the handling. It always felt very vague. Um, just really weird quirks with that game. Very strange quirks, like the way the license tests work, um, the way there's like a Jim mode that is not fun. Uh, yep. There's this chronicle mode, which sounds really cool at first blush, which is basically like you do this race that's like, oh, it's 
this is a race between 70s Japanese sports cars, and it starts out in black and white, like sepia tone. And as you drive, it slowly turns to color. Like, lots of weird and interesting ideas in this game. The problem is that most of them don't really work. Um, and that's even though, like I said, the track design's decent, and the car yeah. selection's actually phenomenal, especially in online. Uh, it has a really eccentric, weird car selection that's kind of like, it reminds me a lot of Enthusia. But even those things can't save. I mean, GT2 is like perfect. Like, yeah, I, I could not ask for anything more than what they're able to do on the PlayStation 1 with that game. The sheer number of cars, all of the great tracks that would never appear again in Gran Turismo. I love the physics. Uh, somebody, another take talks about how um, somebody else said they're not a big fan of the physics, which I might tackle later. I think yeah. they're fine. Uh, yeah, it's just GT2 is one of my favorite Gran Turismo's. So. I don't I don't get this one I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean even for someone who hasn't played the uh, GT 2002 you're still talking about Gran Turismo here but let's be honest there, there isn't much if anything that can really say that it betters it betters this series and Gran Turismo 2 it's often between that and 3 which people consider the best and 4 as well um, in that argument so um, this is a very spicy one, and you were you were saying like how it does have a lot of cool ideas that perhaps aren't executed perfect, and I'd almost expect that from Sega GT 2002 after like the the one on the Dreamcast as well had some very cool ideas, but like it just failed on a lot of core fundamental levels, and it almost sounds like it's pretty damn similar. Yeah, I mean, the difference is that at least 2002 is a playable, drivable game. You won't, <laughs> you won't actually hate, like, driving cars in 2002. It's just not... It's it just the, the physics work, but they're just not as intuitive as they should be. There's a lot of weirdness. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that makes these games uh, the GT series and, you know, being, like, two, two, depending on how you slice it, three games, is that... They were made by WoW Entertainment, and I can't remember exactly what WoW, WoW Entertainment made. They might have been the... I don't think they were the House of the Dead studio, but they were one of those studios at Sega. And they don't... They make arcade games. You know, like a lot of Sega at that time, those second-party studios made arcade games. And here they are trying to make a sim, trying to make something really deep. It was a really bold attempt from a company or a developer or a studio that really would never have been associated with that uh and i liked it a lot when i was a little kid but you know as time has gone by I, i've gone back and tried to play it and i think I, I went back and tried to play it not too long ago and it just just has not aged well uh it's also the visuals are very like soft and kind of smeary and yeah it's got that like early xbox problem of just being very visually soft if that makes any sense yeah it's, it's one of the the kind of the types of graphic style that really don't hold up well over time. I would rather a sharp, almost edgy kind of visual compared to the more kind of smeared look, especially on more modern displays. Definitely. Yeah, so it seems like we're both pretty much in agreement about this, uh, even though you haven't played the game, but maybe <laughs> one day you will. Uh, so yeah. I think I think you should go on to our uh, next take. No problem. Uh, so shifting to a series... Uh, we, we do enjoy a lot at Time Extend and a game that should probably have a dedicated episode by now but we are trying to rectify that. This take is from Veil4XD who says 
Burnout Paradise takes what makes Burnout great and throws it out of the window. It feels just as good to play as before, and Paradise City is fun to drive around in, but drive from A to B, races end up splitting you up from your opponents and preventing you from experiencing what makes Burnout great. I don't totally disagree with that, and I'm going to give that a 4, because I think Paradise is hailed by a lot of people as like the zenith of Burnout, and by some people it's almost like, well... It's kind of not surprising they never really made another one after that because like they did everything they could do. Uh, but yeah, I'm a Burnout 3 guy. I, I still think Burnout 3 had the formula perfect. And I think Burnout 3 is one of the best, you know, you could make an argument, top five arcade racers of all time. So I I think that's a, that's a pretty spicy take and I agree with it. Yeah, um, I'll I'll actually go for a, a three on this one. Okay. Purely because I, I totally I agree with the sentiment. I think Burnout Paradise is pretty far removed from the likes of Free and Revenge. And I think a lot of old Burnout fans don't really shy away from that fact. We all talk about how much we love Burnout Paradise, but I don't think the, the stuff that people say they love about it is what makes Burnout as a series so great. It is really the Paradise City element. It's the the kind of the more open-endedness of it. But I would agree that what we see through Burnout Paradise is an evolution of the kind of core formula, but you do lose a lot of that more chaotic elements of Burnout by removing the kind of closed-circuit racing. So I actually think this is a really good take. I think it is controversial in the sense that Paradise is almost viewed as infallible nowadays, which is maybe... A bit overzealous, but it's this this is a good one because I think a lot of people try not to talk about the fact that Burnout Paradise did kind of ebb away at the formula a bit more, and it makes the jump that Criterion would make to the Need for Speed series a lot more easy to take as well because you can kind of see the foundations for them moving away from the totally arcade closed circuit racer. Yeah, definitely. And and this was a time we also have to stress where open world was, I mean, everything was going open world. And uh, it, it would make sense that Criterion would want to kind of mold Burnout uh, into that image to, to make it maybe something that's a bit more with the times. Uh, because, I mean, forget, but 3 was, 3, I think, you know, as I said, was amazing. Revenge made a lot of questionable design decisions. And yep. if I remember correctly, there was actually a take that was Revenge is better than three. I don't know who said that, but that's I think that's pretty funny because um, it's just it just Revenge just tried too hard to change too many things, and I think that was the issue that Burnout ended up suffering or that Criterion ended up kind of a wall that they hit was that they they had this formula so perfect with three that they just but they didn't want to rest on their laurels to their credit, you know, so they wanted to take these chances. And uh, Revenge was one way to do it that, uh, you know, they kind of took away my favorite. They, they really changed Crash Mode a lot. And they took away, honestly, one of my favorite modes and what they did to Crash Mode. Um, yeah. And then, like, with Paradise, they they still neglected to, to do Crash Mode. I mean, there's that kind of, um, was it Showtime? Where you can press the triggers and you just start bouncing. That's really fun and that's really cool. But uh, there was this weird compulsion, I feel like, at Criterion was just to not do the most obvious thing that everyone wanted. And that's why I kind of agree with this take. Uh, at a certain level, I, I appreciate them trying new things, but at a certain level, I think everyone has to play the hits a little bit 
Uh, and I think I think Burnout kind of suffered from that problem. And then when they made the jump to Need for Speed, uh, obviously we know that that was there were lots of issues that were not necessarily related to Criterion's decision making in that there were a lot of things they were forced to do they didn't want to do um but it just didn't make it any easier yep exactly um paradise is a natural progression for the series from a development standpoint but from a standpoint of those who absolutely love free and uh even revenge with its design decisions that weren't quite heralded (laughs) Um, I think that Paradise definitely can rub people the wrong way so this take is controversial for the the way that Burnout Paradise is viewed by fans of the genre and just the general gaming community but I also think there's a a good level of factual truth to what's being said in this take and for that reason that's why I ended up giving it a free but I do actually agree with a lot of what it says yep yep on a similar page so I'll come in with the next take, um, and Brendan, I want to bring this one up because I know I know you will definitely have thoughts about this. It's kind of like a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. Josh, whose handle is uh, Executioner, uh, with a one in there, uh, his take is that Blur is better than Mario Kart, but he is not counting the SNES or the N64 versions in that. <laughs> so... If he just left it, Blur is better than Mario Kart, I would have probably given this like a four. But because yeah. he's then saying that the SNES and N64 versions are better than Mario, that are better than Blur, I think I'm going to give it like a two. Because it's not lots of people... I mean, the SNES one is not well loved at this point, but lots of people yeah. like Mario Kart 64. Um, I agree with this take, but I think he should have gone all the way. I think Blur is just better than Mario Kart in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would go with a, a two as well. To be honest, that's what I was thinking. Um, because, and this is a hot take of my own, I suppose, bringing it up here. But I, I, I don't. I just think Mario Kart sixty four is a bad game. Like I really mm. don't enjoy it, and I've never liked it. And I know a lot of people are going to get mad about that. But um, the fact is, this tweet. I would word this tweet by saying Blur is better than every Mario Kart except 8 Deluxe. So it's not too far away from my own feelings. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to, to go on to, the, I guess, to discuss what the, the tweet's actually saying, Blur is a more... Uh, I, hate, I hate using these phrases because this is the way Activision sold it, but it's like a more mature, big boy version of Mario Kart in the sense that they, they got the licensed cars involved, they got some nice weapons that looked cool in action, like kind of appealing to a a more mature audience and in terms of tracks and stuff they kept it grounded in reality and the thing is, the whole Blur experience is one which is very cool and very stylistic it really harked on about the online multiplayer so there's a lot of depth there, so objectively yes, I think Blur has a lot more going for it than some of these Mario Kart games do or the majority of them, but if we, if we think about it, and it's it's not a pop, it's sorry, it is the popular opinion, and it's the one people don't want to admit often enough. But there's a reason why every Mario Kart killer is not, and that comes down to the broad playability of the game. And for as much as I love Blur, I really don't think the handling engine is like the strong point of the game whatsoever. And you almost put up with the way the cars handle to get to the good part which is surprising because Bizarre Creations nailed PGR so much, 
But I, I don't know if you agree with me on that one, Adam, but I felt as if the way the cars handled in Blur was like suitable, but it was really the, the kind of mechanics that made it great. Uh, see, it's interesting because you know that I am not... I play every Mario Kart, but I am not, I think, a huge Mario Kart fan. Yeah. And I've said as much on the show. I, From what I remember, it's been so long since i played Blur, but like, I initially didn't get down with the handling model, but after a while, I kind of got in tune with it, and I really enjoyed it. And it was really interesting to play a game that drove like that, that drove like an arcade racer that isn't a kart racer but had weapons, and I think I really appreciate it for that. You also have yeah. a lot of levels or uh, tracks in that game that have a lot of kind of verticality and and that kind of added their dimension to the physics. So, like, that was something I appreciate. And Mario Kart, I don't think anyone would 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 argue that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's physics are not good. They're, they're, some people, I think, would say they're probably perfect for a kart racer. But yeah. there's something about kart racer physics I never like. And I think it's just like they just, they're not complicated. Like, I guess with Mario Kart, it's like to me, like, yeah, that's that's a game that handles, it achieves its handling goals, you know, every single time that Nintendo has made one, it's more or less like been, been spot on, except for, I would say, Double Dash, which kind of, if you go back, handles really strangely. But, um, and 8 Deluxe is great, but I don't enjoy it. I, I don't think it's fun. I just the drifting in Mario Kart doesn't do it for me. It's very linear, and I get I get that's why that is the appeal, as you said. You know, it's accessible, um, and I get that's part of it. And and that just means it's not for me. That doesn't mean it's bad. But um, personally, yeah, I, I I would if given the choice between Blur and Mario Kart, and I would even include a deluxe in that. Like I would rather play Blur. I. Yeah, I guess objectively it's not the better game, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe yeah. is pretty amazing. But it just—I mm, don't know. It just—it just doesn't challenge me in a way that I want to be challenged. Mario Kart. I mean, I've said before, 200 CC. I think it's almost just like to me, it's like you don't even have to really think about it's—it's it's difficult, but not just because it's like how fast can you move your fingers? It's not like. It's. I, I feel like there's no nuance to it. It's just like how how quickly can you just break dance on you know on the switch con- yeah. on the Joy Cons. So, I mean, it's still a kart racer in 200 CC. I think that's yeah. basically what you're saying. You're yeah, just yeah. Reacting slightly faster, and no, I mean t- to be honest, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is such a great game for me personally, purely because I know the sheer level of community it has in terms of if I want to race online I can be racing online in seconds and I think that immediacy of access really goes a long way for it whereas if I think about my time with Blur I was willing to put up the long waits to find people to race against and work through some menus and stuff that were maybe a bit over the top in terms of how many you had to navigate just to get to the core gameplay loop so if the scenario was you can either get blur with a full online community, uh, bustling excitement around it the way it is with Mario Kart and Mario Kart as it is now, I, w- I would always choose blur as well because it's pretty much it's the game that Activision had every right to think it was going to be. I think that's the thing. Like it, it did something for combat racing games that hadn't been done before. That level of coolness. There was no 
there was no real downside to what it was trying to achieve. It didn't have to take place in the future, like Wipeout or F-Zero. It didn't have to have some weird gimmick attached to it. It was it was an incredibly well-balanced game, and yeah, this take, I mean, getting a low score would suggest it's bad, but in reality, I think it's just one that a lot of people wouldn't actually have the balls to say. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I don't think, I, I, I whether the take is hot or not versus where we agree with the take are yeah. two completely different things. So I, that's true. There are going to be takes that I'm going to give, uh, you know, ones that I agree with, but that's because they're obvious and everyone agrees with them. <laughs> but I haven't, yeah. I'm actually looking for something like that now. So in the meantime, uh, should proceed with your next take. Yeah. And the funny thing about this one is you chose one there that you knew I'd have strong opinions on. And I just happened to do the same for you, Adam, funnily mm. enough. Um, so this tweet is by Cheap Ether, and it's a single sentence, it's straight to the point, which will either make you uh, explode or be surprised at how concise it is. Basically, any sense of difficulty in F-Zero X and GX is entirely artificial. So I saw this one and I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't I don't really get it. Is he saying that like the AI is... Like, yeah. I don't know. What, what do you think that means? I'll ask you first so, before I score it. <laughs> no, that's fine. My, my interpretation of this was like rubber banding, uh, stupidly fast AI that maybe don't adhere to the physics, that type of yeah, thing. So yeah. it isn't grounded in the same rules that the player plays with. That's the way I read it. Oh, absolutely. No, that I totally agree with, but that I don't think is that spicy. Um, right? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of arcade racers back then that did that. Uh, that it's like, of yeah, ob obviously, you know, the other cars in Ridge Racer aren't playing by my rules. They also start halfway across uh, down the lap of the track than, you know, compared to where I start. So, like, that's kind of just the way it was back then. I, I don't like that. I'll say that much. Like, I don't I don't think that's great game design. That was kind of always my issue with GX. Is it, gets, it gets stupidly hard, and I'm just like, this is not fun anymore. But, uh, sure. yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to give it a two. I guess I, I don't. I don't think it's that controversial. Um, now that you explain it to me, I understand what you're saying. I, I actually, I totally agree with it. Yeah, I'll go for a two then as well, purely based on the fact that in my head, I had assumed that F Zero, like many arcade racers of the time, had this as a, a characteristic. It's not necessarily a negative if you appreciate that. So, um, having had it backed up by somebody who loves the games that much, I mean, I've I've played GX. Um, to say I've played it extensively would be a lie, so like, I'll go for two. Oh, you got you got to play GX, man. That's got to be a show. That's one <sighs> of just... the best. The best. So Previous guest, Paul Lovell, would kill me for saying this, but I, I just do not like F-Zero's like, whole thing, like the designs, the <laughs> the ships. I, I, oh, man, I'm such a wipeout shill, I know, but I just like... I always feel as if I'm missing something. I don't want to derail the episode here. Maybe something worth discussing, like another episode. But like F Zero, it's one of those ones I've been dying for a new one to be made to see if I could get properly into it. Because any time I've tried to get into GX, surprisingly, it's just never really resonated with me. I will say uh, F Zero GX is probably one of my favorite games that I don't like, really like the handling in that much. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it. I think it is like a Sonic and just like 
visual tour de force on the GameCube. I mean, I, I see that's where I disagree with you is I think that game is gorgeous. It's right. yeah, it's not stylistically on par with Wipeout, but that's not what it's trying to be. It's trying to be really in your face, just really brash and uh, and I don't. I'm not an F Zero person. I the first game I will play on like you know the SNES Classic or on my Switch if I'm bored. But I mean I don't really get anything from those uh, from from those kinds of old sort of Mode Seven racers. Um, and X I don't like at all. It just and that has a lot to do with the fact that I think the N64 is just a cursed console. GX I think <laughs> is amazing and it's it's beautiful and I had a lot of fun with it and I played. You know, I remember playing with my friends who didn't really enjoy racing games when I was younger, but yeah. um, but but yeah, I think you're you're either a wipeout person or you're an F Zero person. Those two those series handle very differently. They're about different things. Wipeout is more wipeout. I think is more technical. There's more nuance in the physics. Yeah, that's that's fine. But but F Zero is is more about the speed and just about the immediacy of it you know if i guess you could say that it controls like a kart racer you know if we're talking just we're just talking about mario kart and it controls more like a kart racer on steroids uh i i and and in that context it's fine because like just with the way gravity works in that game it's different enough but uh but yeah it's you know it's uh i mean definitely artificial for sure but you but you also get to make it artificial when you're not you know like I would have a bigger problem with that if we're talking about Sim Racer, but we're talking about an arcade sure. racer with anti-gravity crafts. Like, you once you get away from realism, I feel like you're able to yeah make your own rules. Yeah, That's, exactly. Yeah. You, you set your own rules. And uh, just as well, when we're talking about the differences between F Zero and Wipeout, I think we've talked before as well that. I'm very much a fan of the Wipeout generation that was the final few games, like the overly technical, the barrel rolls introduced, that type of thing, so I guess it does make sense that I, I do prefer that more kind of technical gameplay, even if it isn't incredibly quick, whereas like F-Zero GX is very well known for how fast the gameplay is as well. Yeah, no, F-Zero GX is brutal. Um... So, yeah, again, this is a take that we are really in agreement on. I'm, I'm curious when we'll get to that one that's just going to split us apart. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... This one, I'm going, I'm going straight up for something weird here. Uh, <laughs> this one from Jamie Hughes, uh, handled Jim the Humanoid. Uh, Jamie says, Ferrari 355 Challenge on the Dreamcast is the best racing game ever. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, of all the games that, that was going to proceed to that statement, I did not see that coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree with it, uh, obviously. Um, That's a I, five, though. I, I don't know. <laughs> see, this is an interesting thing about hot takes. I mean, I, I guess it, yeah. I guess it's a five, but it's also it's so ridiculous that almost I almost don't want to give it a five because it just seems like it's... It's just I I've never heard anyone say that before, so I guess it is the hottest possible take because like I don't know anyone who would agree with that. Yeah, that it's almost one of those ones you wish there was more elaboration on why. Right, right. I want to know why, that, yeah. I, Jamie. I want to know why you think this. If you're listening to the show, you know what what is it about 355? Because the thing is, it is a very interesting game. It's a very unique game. Uh, yeah. That kind of one car 
approach to everything. There is a nuance with 355's handling that um, you did not get, I think, from any racing game. Even Gran Turismo, like even GT1, GT2 back in the day, I think F355 sort of kind of crossed the threshold for realism in racing games of the time. Uh, it can very it can be very easily exploited so you know you can then argue well how realistic is it really if you can the fastest way to play a game is by drifting like a crazy person but um it it deserves credit for that and i think it's very good but uh and i, I still have a lot of fun with it today i think it's aged very well but yeah there's no i mean there are so many other racing games <laughs> <laughs> that I would put before 355. If I, you know, if I was going to like a desert island, I could only take one game. There is never a case where I would choose F355 Challenge. Maybe it's that radio announcer. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. The radio announcer. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he just really loved that guy. Um, you know, I will say though, some people would put this statement in with a game that is incredibly easy to say it for, like Gran Turismo 4, or Forza Motorsport 4 or something. I quite like how outlandish this choice is that neither of us would have even predicted it. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like we, we do have some pretty outlandish choices ourselves and I would never see this one coming. No, it's a total time extend pick though. So that's, I'm glad to see it. Yeah, and, and I think honestly that's all we can really say about it. I, I don't really feel like elaborating on it further. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jamie. Um... So, yeah, uh, what's what's your next one? So, this one's a bit of an odd one because it's basically... It's two tweets, okay? So, I will choose one as the hot take, but I just found it interesting how they were correlated. Um, so, about Forza Motorsport 2 and how the Forza games have became successful. <laughs> so, the first tweet about Forza Motorsport 2 I've seen that isn't the hot take, but I just find it interesting how it relates to the main one. It's from uh, Lieutenant Victory on Twitch. Uh, at tag LTVic, and he says the anime porn market in Forza 2 is what made Forza Whoa. successful enough to make new games <laughs> and then Thunder THR followed up by saying Forza hasn't actually had an endearing career mode since Motorsport 2 ever since it feels like it's just a complete mishmash of events put into a list with no structure or complexity whatsoever as each installation has gone on it also feels as if the reward slash progression is absent now the first question I have for you Adam is do you think there's a correlation there or is that just one of the strangest things you've ever heard somebody say about a recent game? Um, here's the thing I don't entirely disagree with the first one because I think the le <laughs> the level of customization you could get in Forza still beats out yeah. what you see in a lot of games, even ones that have livery editors, just because the Forza livery editor is just so intuitive. People are so used to it. Um, yeah. And back in FM2 days, that's definitely true. I saw many, many an anime titty uh, on, on the car in that game in the auction house. Uh, as I'm sure anyone who played Forza Motorsport 2 did. Um, yeah. I don't know that like people were like, I want to I wanna go buy this game because I want hentai <laughs> on cars. I don't know that that was like, what they were thinking, but then maybe once they got it, there were a lot of people who yeah. like, felt that way, and I kind of see it. I mean, that's I've, I've never heard that before. I, I think I would give that take a four. I mean, but the yep. second one you mentioned is there's a lot to unpack there. There there's really a lot is. Of levels to it. Yep. The second tweet 
it, it's why I felt as if kind of prefacing it with that funnier one was a good idea because I think we've we've danced around this subject a little bit in previous episodes when we've been alluding to what Forza might be missing and it's probably something we should dedicate a, a bit of time to at some point because yeah I mean Forza's shifted focus since it was initially just Xbox's Gran Turismo I mean it spawned a spin-off the motorsport series became more of a a celebration of cars but not in the way Gran Turismo does it just in the sense that the game really wants you to drive everything it has to offer and maybe it's a bit too eager to do that and as such the kind of the actual career mode is more of a checklist as opposed to a kind of an adventure or a career because if I think about the first Forza I got really into it was Forza Motorsport 4 and even then I remember being so disillusioned in the first three or four hours of the campaign because like the game was just talking at me choosing telling me what to choose in terms of events and then kind of working through like that and it wasn't great it was just the actual racing that I really enjoyed and um yeah, I think career modes in racing games are so difficult to get right anyway, but for Forza, yeah, I can't remember the last one that probably had a career mode or campaign mode that I said, yeah, that's definitely what makes this game great. I think the problem with Forza is it's too adjustable, which I, I know some people would disagree with and say that that's a hot take in of itself, um, but yeah. and I know that you know we want games to be as inclusive as possible, but you look at Gran Turismo, and you look at like the fact that you know you have the different kinds of professional events, beginner events. You have the different event classes in GT Sport, and you've had that in previous Gran Turismo as well. Gran Turismo has never had an adjustable difficulty level, and no. people still love those games. And it makes those like harder events like really like you remember like Mission Thirty Four or whatever, right? Like in GT Four, like you you remember certain events like like the wind or something like that. Like Formula GT, it was so hard. Forza doesn't have that because Forza is just trying to, it's it's placating the player too much I think and, and that's I yeah. have the same issue with Horizon I think it's it's just the Forza ethos and that doesn't sit well with me I mean you know and I'm not this is another case where I don't think that like my opinion is the right one and I sure. think it's some one of those things it's up to choice but when when I think about the games I like, we've talked about this in the past, I, I like curated experiences where, yeah, you know, maybe the player gets some choice, but they don't get every choice. They don't get everything they want because I would leave that up to the game designer to make that call. And I think when you look at Gran Turismo, for example, it's like you get to a, a, a challenge or an event that's difficult. And rather than being given a car at the end of every single race or, or a wheel spin or something like that and giving you something that you can easily just take into the next event and win with uh or you know rather than being like oh this is too hard i'm gonna knock it down to amateur difficulty or whatever gt is like no you got i mean maybe look i mean save up buying their car try that if you want but that's that's all you can do and like yeah you can go in and you can in gt sport especially you can go in there and you can raise a horsepower and stuff like that but in previous games you had to like you had to spend money to tune the car up and whatnot, and um, some races were like one make races where you didn't have did not have any ability to change the performance of the car. I remember there was this like Opal Speedster uh, event in GT4 that was really hard because it was a one yeah, make race. Yeah. I, um, I I don't I think those are the things that create memories, and I I don't I, I think that's what works against Forza so much of the time. 
Yeah, and I think like this is pretty much hot take territory because I think from my perspective, the problem is nowadays in general. Um, I think accessibility and playability have kind of wrongly been bunched together. Mm. And as such, it's not that you want to uh, gatekeep what people get to play. It's just that, for like you're saying, for a lot of these games, like the reason Lakeside is so like infamous in Sega Rally is because it's so hard to get to and it's so hard to complete. Um, I feel as if a lot of games live or die by how hard they are to play. And even though you might be saying, well, we give the options to the players, it still kind of takes away from the the kind of excitement on the edge nature of it because like you're saying Gran Turismo is a great example because sure you can upgrade the power of your car but I mean I know this has happened to me many times and probably you as well Adam there's been times where I've spent a good amount of cash on upgrades to my car and then it handles a complete fucking ass and <laughs> it can't win the race anyway and I've just wasted my money and then I decide to sell that car and try and buy another car to beat the event and it starts that problem solving loop of how do I get myself into this like, 80,000 credits hole I've built myself in <laughs> assuming that weight mods on cars and improved like CPUs and that type of thing would help me win um, Gran Turismo was actually very good at that car PG level stuff and I think at one point Forza shifted away from that which is fine from a design perspective but I really do feel as if it meant that doesn't have that well the, the horizon series kind of illustrates it it focuses more on the kind of the showcase events that look cool as milestones as opposed to gran turismo's um like the opal speedster event was probably not uh Kazanori's thought of all what events will people remember but because <laughs> it was that challenging that's what we talk about like the wind that's what we talk about that's why it always comes back in future games um I couldn't even tell you the name of a Forza career event. Yeah, unfortunately. That's, that's the thing. And I just remember Forza 4 was the last one I really played. I did play some 6, but 4 was the last one I, re- I played for a long time. That game yeah. had like 500 events. And they had events like uh, E Class 3 Hour Endurance. Like, who <laughs> wants to drive around the standard Fiesta for 3 hours? around the short version of Road Atlanta, which is already a really short track. Like, there are these, like, things that I just, I don't think any thought was put into them. I honestly feel like it was almost like a generator at a certain point. Like, plug-in car class uh, track and level of difficulty, and that's it. You know, it it just doesn't feel like a lot of thought was put into it. Now, granted, to give Forza a lot of credit, uh, future games like in six i remember they had a lot of like bespoke like challenges that they purposefully made like here you'll be doing like this is like skyline versus supra or whatever or this you know yeah. and that's cool uh and that's cool but it's still i don't know it still didn't work and there's still the the problem of the game being adjustable and the point i want to bring to what you said about spending all your money in gran turismo on the car for an upgrade is like a lot of the time i mean i know i've been this way i feel like you have to have as well you want to know what is what's the least amount of money i can spend on this car and still win (laughs) and you also when you fail with a car that you know is almost there you're like yeah i could take the easy way out and spend the money on new exhaust but i want to do it with the car i built and you just try too long because you you know you just want to prove it to yourself that you can and i think that that in a nutshell just really explains what we're talking about it's 
you know, challenges and games present, you know, that's where you get to tell your stories as far as like, you know, this was my experience of playing Gran Turismo. And I think when you take away challenge, you know, people, people reward like Dark Souls for it. You know, I don't really understand why, like there's been this resurgence in hard games, but no one ever talks about racing games that way as far as like, you know, I mean, I mean, they might in terms of like, hey, Dirt Rally's really hard or something like that, but I feel like it's very rare. It's like, it's it's celebrated with other genres, but not this one. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think in general, a lot of people are just happy to put it down to, oh, that's bullshit. Never do lose an event or if something gets too hard, racing games are probably one of the first, obviously can't say this factually, but probably the first to be dropped in favour of other games. Um... Like you're saying, people love talking about hard boss battles and all that type of stuff in other series. But I'm willing to bet that those people probably don't feel the same about kind of versing the, the Angelus and stuff in Ridge Racer. When, when that game kind of introduced almost that level of boss event that looks like bullshit because you expect it to be a regular race. <laughs> but if you appreciate what like Namco were trying to do with the series, it makes perfect sense. And I think Gran Turismo as well... Um, one of the, the cars, for example, in Gran Turismo 3, and I think in 4 as well, um, could often be a lot better than the rest of the pack, and it would just blast away, and it would make it like, such a challenge to catch up with it because it was so much quicker, and it started to get referred to as like the rabbit car or the pace setter. But like, I like to think that it was just a little hidden thing that they put in the games to be like, oh, imagine you just encountered this ridiculously fast driver competing in your Clubman Cup. <laughs> like, would you be able to beat them? <laughs> And there's a, I think I feel as if there's a lot of tiny details like that that goes underappreciated in racing game career modes from that time period. Maybe not so much now. Yeah, yeah, no, totally in agreement. Uh, and and I, I think we've I think we've covered it well. Um, so with that said, I th- I think I'll I'll move on to my next pick, which I know you had brought up when we were trying to highlight ones we wanted to chat about. So I'm just gonna go straight into it. Felipe, uh, TV. D-E- TV Day Gallus, let's say that. Uh, Felipe <laughs> says that Need for Speed Shift is the best racing game ever. Straightforward, intense, realistic. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, th- there are a lot of people. There, I think there are a lot of people who remember Shift fondly. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna ask you first. What would you rate this? I'd say this is this has got to be a five because. God, there are, it's just such a bold statement for a game that was pretty interesting in the sense that it tried to bring Need for Speed back to that pure circuit experience, uh, had a, a development team behind it that were more than familiar with that type of experience, but the actual execution was one that wasn't bad, but I also wouldn't say it was perfect, far from it actually, and um, yeah, for me this is a five. I was, I think I'm going to say four because I think, I mean, look, on one hand, again, when you get to these, like, X is the best racing game ever, I mean, I guess in most cases you could say it's a five unless you're talking about, like, GT4 or something like <laughs> yeah. that. But, like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen people really talk off ship, ship before, and I don't entirely understand why. I mean, like, I like that he elaborates. He says straightforward. Okay. Intense. Yes, it was intense. Uh, yeah. Grid was also intense, and I would say Grid was a little bit more measured and smarter about how it was intense. 
Realistic though? No. No, Need for Speed Shift is not a realistic <laughs> racing game. It is not like at all. Uh, it's I mean, if we wanna toss around the word Simcade, uh, sure, it's definitely harder and more realistic than like mainline Need for Speed games. But um yeah, I don't I just remember like the experience of, of playing that game was so weird because I just remember like every car felt too fast. Every car, once you got past like a Lotus XE, just felt too fast for some reason. Like everything, just every corner came up way faster than you wanted to. I, I, it's been a long time since I played it, so I'm fuzzy on the details, but just like everything felt a little bit too skittish, a little bit too fast. And like they would have these events where it's like early in the game where it's like, we're playing you in a Zonda R or a Veyron on the Nurburgring. <laughs> Have fun. It's like, no, that's not something you should ever do. Uh, that's not even a good idea for, like, the last race in the game. Um, and I think Shift has a lot of those problems. I think it just, like, I think it's just scattershot in its execution. A very pretty game. Slightly mad, obviously. Yep. Knew how to make a beautiful game. And, and we know that with Project Cars, whether you love or you hate it, their ability to put out and and execute features um yeah you could say maybe is a feature necessary or not but they i think their work ethic in terms of shipping features and games is maybe maybe beyond any other developer in in the industry so they're very good at that and shift was a very big and complete game but yeah. i didn't like the way it felt it just did not like the way it felt uh it just it just felt like it was trying to do grid but it just wasn't as much fun and that's that's my lasting memory of it yeah i think it's hard to disagree with any of that it's a game that tries to over dramatize mm -hmm. the driving of pretty much every car and then it spends most of the game trying to put you in the most hyper dramatic cars in real life anyway <laughs> and it, it just it just feels a bit mental to, to be fair to Shift, I, I do recall fondly the um, fictional London circuit that it had, which mm. was really good, fun to drive on across London Bridge and stuff. But um, yeah, it feels like the the pre-show to what Two Unleashed went for in terms of just making everything so over the top and crash, bang, wallop. Um, but at least Shift was still pretty drivable, whereas uh, Two Unleashed, I guess, the less said the better. Right. Yeah, and, and again, I think I think this is another case where that's really all we can say about it. You know, it's uh, there are going to be a lot of these like the best racing game ever, and uh, <laughs> yep. I feel like they're all pretty simple. I'm, I mean, if you come at us with something that's like obvious, then we're gonna just say it's obvious. But uh, I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody has their game that you know they think is underappreciated. So I get it. I totally get it. Um, that said, them. Um, uh, I mean, Bridge Racer Type 4 is, like, maybe my favorite racing game ever, but I don't know if it's the best racing game ever, so. <laughs> it's uh, an interesting distinction, isn't it? Like, yeah. it, it's one of those things, you know fine well, that Type 4 would be up there for you personally, but then you've got to try and look at it through an objective lens, which makes it incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so so what's your next one? So um, the next one I have um, is from uh, Justin Towle. Uh, Game Radar writer, Justin. very, yeah, fantastic. Writes amazing articles about racing games. Clear passion for the the genre. Sega as well. Rally record holder. Yep, I think <laughs> he's. Yeah, I believe so. I think he's also a really talented musician and stuff. Yes, so. yeah, talented guy. Yep. Um, his take: Modern racing games have forgotten what a good racing game is. Track design appears to be a complete afterthought. 
the beauty of one perfect corner is lost among a thousand bad ones and content quantity is valued over quality. Actual racing, in inverted commas, against AI is mega rare. Arr. That's how he ends the tweet. Mm. <laughs> I, I agree with this. I mean, I think our I think there's a reason why this podcast talks so much about games because I think there's something yeah. there that we, you know, we, we we really appreciate times when, you know, it was a matter of quality over quantity because quantity was just too difficult. Um, I don't think it's that uh, spicy. You know, I think it's maybe a three at best. Yeah. Um, go free. But but yeah, no, he he what he does there, what Justin's doing there is like I think it's. He's taking something that anyone would say, which is just like old racing games are better than new ones. But he's but he's <laughs> but he's expounding upon it in a way that's very um, that makes a lot of sense and is very well put. Uh, and I appreciate that as you know I'd expect from him. So yeah, definitely. I think um, I would even go for a two here um, with this one. Um, recently, uh, through the the time extend Discord, uh, me and uh, quite a lot of other people actually have been playing a good chunk of Sega Rally Evo recently. After we had Paul on the pod and that type of thing, um, then obviously the recurring kind of meme at the moment is about how Alpine One is the best track ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but if we kind of dial that back a bit and understand what it is, why we say something like that, it's because Sega Rally Evo had tracks that were very unique to that game, and they were built around an entire game concept of track degradation. So you get a lot of tracks that really hone in on that through having like hidden water under the surface that only gets unveiled on lap three as opposed to lap one. Um, a, a very slippery lake that's been iced over that's initially covered with some snow. There, There's a lot of thought put into the track design by Paul and everybody else that factored into that. Um, and even like the fact each track has its own uh, specific theme song minus the third iteration in each yep. environment um, it just makes the experience actually memorable because if it was uh, a run of the mill arcade rally game like say Gravel where you just throw in loads of real life cars into it and um, some tracks that allow you to race on them funnily enough <laughs> um, it's just like like, he's, like Justin saying here, I, I totally agree. I think that track design nowadays outside of a polyphony, obviously, and uh, I'll give I'll give turn ten a, a kind of a, a thumbs up on this one as well. There's just not really a consideration for really good fictional circuits that go beyond what would the next modern Formula One track look like, as opposed to what is going to be fun to drive on in this type of game. Yeah, yeah, and and I think as you're, uh, sorry, excuse me, I think as you're talking about Sega Rally Revo, uh, you brought up a really good point, which is, you know, I, I honestly, I mean, maybe it's because I just don't think critically enough about these things, but I never realized that like in, uh, was it Arctic, uh, I can't remember which Arctic track it is, I think it might be Arctic 3, but where you pointed out that, you know, you, you're driving on the the uh, ice lake that's covered in snow and yep. as you drive over that it's the reverse effect you know uh instead of getting more grip like you on any air track in the game you actually get yep. less because you're uncovering the snow and revealing ice which is of course much more slippery and i think it's that kind of thinking and those kinds of ideas you know i also think of like the canyon track that has the puddles that kind of deepen and spread as you yep. drive over the track and it's like well you want the grip of the of the grooves but you don't want the puddles uh i think 
I would much rather have a game that does interesting things like that than a game that has another, I don't know, 30 cars than, say, Rally Revo shipped with. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's <laughs> that's what, you know, because I'm going to experience that on every track. It's going to be a little bit different on every track, and it's going to make the game feel richer, and I think that is is totally true. Um, and that's kind of just something that, that I thought about as you were uh, as you were talking about Rio particularly. Yeah. And, that, and to link it into the second point in Justin's tweet about actual racing against AI uh, being mega rare, um, Revo was another good example of where, I mean, we even found it online racing, where it really does eliminate the idea of damage or slowdown from collisions, which might be dangerous when it sounds like it in theory, but actually in execution, like it makes racing very close and a bit chaotic and the kind of the AI drivers kind of play up to that fact as well. And that's why it's fun to go back and play these games, whereas um, we, I mean, I think you'll know yourself, Adam, like, if we think about our days um, looking at the GT Planet forums when everyone was amazed and one AI driver overtook the other in sport when that was in previews, (laughs) it just kind of illustrates that AI driving in racing games is either incredibly passive to pedestrian or it's just... Um, the, the fact that overtakes are done or made out to be this huge, big, important thing like the 2019 took the route of making a big deal out of, it's just a shame that racing games nowadays don't just see that it's actually important that the things we're racing against should act pretty uh, realistically in terms of trying to want to win a race as opposed to just holding the status quo. Yeah, yeah, no, real real AI challenge I think is definitely something that's kind of disappeared Uh Gran Turismo is a great example of that, just um, the whole catch the rabbit thing. So I see that point too. But yeah, uh, think again. That's an, that's another one where we really get where where uh, Justin's coming from in that particular case. So good on him for that take. Um, I just saw one that I wanted to bring up because uh, I think yeah, you did have the last one. So this one's my turn. Um, yeah. All right, so this one is from James Hetrick. Uh, Hetrick44 is his handle. And he's saying to us that there hasn't been a 10 out of 10 arcade racer since PGR4. That series needs to make comeback. Uh, well, first of all, I don't know that I call PGR4 10 out of 10 arcade racer. It is, it maybe it's pretty damn close. It's really good. I like this take a lot, though. Um, I think it's, I think it's, reasonably spicy because i don't really see a lot of people remembering pgr4 i see a lot of people misremembering thinking that <laughs> horizon is just project gotham racing now which is not yeah you know, a completely different game so i'm i'm gonna i think i'll give this a four and i i love it i agree i mean like the closest i can say that i have felt that the racing game has come to pgr4 is drive club i think pgr4 is a better game than drive club i think there was more there so yeah, I I think I I really agree with it. Uh, for me, yeah, it's up there. I, I would go a, a four for this one as well. Um, I don't necessarily agree purely because, uh, well, you've just mentioned it. Like Drive Club for me is probably like in, in this kind of modern era, it's right up there for me in terms of best arcade racer. Um, it's just such a fucking fun game. PGR4 is fantastic as well, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed it. But ironically enough, uh, I did quite enjoy 3 a bit more, so I'm not sure if that qualifies as spicy. 
No, I mean, four just felt like three, but obviously a lot more content there and, and the weather system and everything. You know, I, I think three was special because of, I think it's maybe the best racing launch racing title on a platform ever. Ridge Racer 5 yeah. comes close, but I think PGR 3 is so what everybody wanted from a new generation uh, exactly. that I had so many great memories with it. But PGR 4, I think, is, is objectively a better game. I can't remember, really remember like nuanced handling differences between the two, but I think it, there was just so much more content. It had everything 3 had, but it did it you know more and was probably a little bit more polished. Um, loading times were a lot shorter, too, which definitely helps. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Drive Club's amazing. We, we, we are two, obviously, two huge fans of that game. Um, but, you know, I think I think Drive Club wasn't all that it could have been. I, I think that the track design in Drive Club is better than the track design in PGR4, but that's kind of an apples yep. to oranges comparison because PGR4 is working with real roads and Drive Club isn't. So um, it's a bit of a different thing. Uh yeah, I mean, again, I think this comes down to whether or not you consider PGR4 a 10 out of 10 arcade racer. But I think it's, you know, maybe the closest we've gotten in a long time. And that was that was 07. Uh, wow. I, I'm actually realizing right now because the games came out in such close proximity to each other that would you say that Sega Rally Revo was the last 10 out of 10 arcade <laughs> racer? Oh, yeah, that's actually pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't make a case for either of them on each side of us then. Right, right, definitely. So... So yeah, I mean, I, I there's definitely something that's missing. I mean, in the genre, I feel like, and God, I miss Bizarre the most. Honestly, like, we talk about Ridge Racer. We, we I mean, we talk about missing Namco, missing Sega. But I think if I could ask for any racing game developer to come back that has been dormant or, you know, shuttered, it would be Bizarre Creations. Because they, they never made a single bad racing game. Uh, I mean, I never really played the F1 games on the PlayStation, but I know they were pretty well liked. And PGR 1 through 4, and then Blur, they are all great. You know, they were all great. They they never put anything out that was subpar. Uh, Metropolis Street Racer was great, and then they just they just kept it going with PGR. So, yep. I... Because you know, you know if they were here, like, they would... You know, I don't know if I trust Namco to make a good Ridge Racer anymore, but I, I would definitely trust Bizarre to nail pgr5 you know just just hit it out of the park yeah it's definitely one of the most um tragic kind of studio losses it's up there with um studio liverpool of course on the wipeout side of things but the difference with bizarre was like they were able to keep a, a racing game solely based on cars real cars at that so exciting with every different game they made and that included blur pgr um, the, the driving segments from the James Bond game they made <laughs> they, um, they just found a way to like kind of resonate with a lot of what we would expect to see from arcade racing games and put it in practice and it's a shame that it ended the way it did because like you're saying it's not as if it was a deserved cuffing it wasn't there wasn't any writing on the wall in terms of their creativity either they, they still had that in them to make these fantastic arcade games and unfortunately um, yeah, PGR five is just something that will never happen. Blur two won't happen. It's, it's it's a bit of a shame. Of course, we've got that uh, limited footage of Blur two on YouTube that you can watch. But if anything, that just kind of makes the wound a bit more saltier. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those heartbreaking things to think about. But 
uh, I think that's that's the reason why I'm inclined to agree with this. It's because I, I don't you know I don't want anybody to forget about how good those games were, how awesome Bizarre was, and I mean there are so many CEOs that, that we wish uh, could still be around today that just aren't. You mentioned CEO Liverpool last uh, last episode we talked about Sega Racing Studio, so yeah, yeah, all all gone to the um, the the uh, racing game, the big racing game developer in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> all working together um exactly yeah so i think with that i think we have time for one more and it's your turn yeah all right so i suppose i'll end on one that looks towards the future in a way as opposed to, to looking at the past so maybe a good one to end on but this comes from a temp anon uh frequent uh interact right. frequently interacts with the twitter accounts um so basically says that his first thought when looking at Forza Horizon 4's reveal, was what the hell is special about Great Britain? <laughs> what, so basically, why was this chosen over the many other options? I'm guessing this is also kind of um, dealing with the fact that Tokyo was highly rumoured as well, along yep. the same timeline. And then the, the last part of the tweet says, four hours into the game later, I wish I'd stuck with that gut reaction and not pre-ordered it. <laughs> so the reason that I brought this one up is because... From my perspective, I was obviously very hyped that it was Great Britain because the UK in racing games is just a cool thing to see when you're from here. And the fact they did Edinburgh in there as well was really cool for me. Um, but in terms of actually playing it, uh, I kind of agree with this one. And in terms of the spiciness scale, I would say that it does come in at a low number so I would say two but I just feel as if it's an interesting talking point because I mean h how did you feel about that choice to go with the UK over a, a Japan or something so off the bat I think I would it's tough because I would say that saying that they should have picked like Tokyo instead of the UK that's probably not a spicy take at the same yeah. time though I think today any take that is not Forza Horizon 4 is like the, the best arcade racing game ever made <laughs> the best of the generation yeah. whatever because it's bigger than the last one and 3 was bigger than 2 and 2 was already so like I think that's pretty spicy because I just I mean at least for the mainstream we, we know in the time extend world we 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 have more nuanced thoughts about this, but the mainstream thinking yeah. is that Forza Horizon it has everything you could ever want. What else would you want? Um, I think somebody somebody in the Discord put it well. It's that Horizon, something about it. It's it's a great you know it's a great love layer of the cars and everything into car culture, but it's not so much a racing game. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm split. I think I think given both sides of the question, I think I would split the difference uh, and give it probably a three out of five. Uh, yeah. To your point about whether or not Tokyo, uh, I, I think they should go in Tokyo. I actually was really excited when I found out that they were going for a UK. I mean, they yeah. uh, they revealed as I mean they didn't, but it was teased or it was uh, it was leaked that they were going to do that. So we all kind of knew it was coming. But when sure. I saw the trailer uh, and I saw the season change and everything, I was like, that's really cool. And I also really like the idea of of playgrounds, you know. Playground obviously being a British developer uh, making that game. You know, I think I think that they they deserve to make that game. And I think in spite of all of the criticism that we give Forza Horizon 4 and everything, which I think we also have to be fair and say that a lot of that is because Horizon 4 has kind of become the only choice. You know, it's like if, if the arcade racing genre was still going as strong as it was and it didn't feel like we had to play Horizon 4 if we wanted to play anything, then, <laughs> yeah. then we wouldn't be as critical of it. 
but because of the nature of the genre we are, uh, you know, the nature of the genre today. Um, but no, I thought that was cool. That said, I would, I would, of course, love to see them do Tokyo and Japan. I think that would be so awesome. Uh, I feel like that's, I feel like if they are to make a Forza Horizon 5 and it's not in Japan, uh, they're, they're really, I mean, there's so oh, yeah. much, uh, more people today <laughs> than ever before tell me that like Tokyo Drift is the best Fast and Furious movie. Like they it's have true. to capitalize on that. <laughs> um, they really do. Yeah, they, they do. But at the same time, I think it's very easy to forget how much Horizon really relies upon that drive anywhere, um, drive anything policy. Like a lot of the driving in that game is across hills, is across empty areas. If you put that in a city, it would be like a core fundamental shift for the series. But maybe that's what it needs as well yeah so, yeah that's what i was gonna say i i, I think yeah. you could use that and honestly i think that's because uh by far the events i i dislike the most in the horizon are always the ones that are like i forget what they're called but the one the cross-country ones i think where it's like yeah you have a vague goal and there are you know you drive through these checkpoints where the uh you know the they're kind of like a mile wide the space you can drive through and you're just driving down this huge hill or like this huge field of flowers or something like that it's like you barely know where you're going because there isn't really a path that's never been enjoyable for me uh i think i think you know we're at a point i think the problem with the way that microsoft has approached these series is that i never think that i feel like they never stop to think like well how can we really do things differently because they create this engine and they they just tried to make the best game they could within those parameters, but they never really questioned why or, or how they could change kind of the direction of these respective franchises. They just made them bigger and better. Uh, I think Horizon could really use that. And I, I think also, too, that uh, I'm excited about sort of the energy that, like, Turn 10 and uh, Playground are kind of bringing to this now because I'm getting the sense that they're starting to agree with that. Or maybe they've agreed with it for a while, but they're starting to recognize it. You know, we're not getting a new motorsport game uh, this year. Um, or I guess I guess we are with potentially with the new Xbox, but we didn't get one last year. Yep. Um, where we should have. Uh, no real word on where Horizon is. I think they're taking a break, and that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I think they need to take that break and I think they need to kind of push the reset button and I'm excited to see what happens yeah I think like Forza Horizon is in a position that no racing game could have ever dreamed of being at the moment in the terms of it, it has the public admiration it's pretty much the only racing game I think to score 90 plus on Metacritic so from a critical perspective it's absolutely loved um, it sells really well, and now with Xbox Game Pass, that doesn't even matter. Loads of people are going to play it. Um, they, they do these cool uh, DLC crossovers and stuff, like the Lego Speed Champions thing. If, yeah. if I was going to be controversial again, I'd say I actually really enjoyed that. Oh, it's Don't great. Let anybody hear me say really that. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, there's still a bit of untapped potential there for them to... I get it as a playground, like the whole game is a playground and you're supposed to enjoy it as opposed to critically assess the racing, but I don't think it's that much of a stretch to think of ways that you can incorporate the best parts about these closed circuit arcade racing games into Horizon's environment, and um, yeah, like you're saying, 
perhaps this little extended break can get it over the line. And I think the reason I brought up this tweet was to kind of highlight that, like the location of where Horizon takes place is as good as the events that use it. And maybe for uh, a few people, it's actually the fact that no, it's fine, mate. Um, it's actually the fact that um, the UK is such an easy fit for the Horizon formula that it maybe felt a bit too familiar. Yeah, I, I, I think that's an issue of Playground having this formula that they forged over, you know, four games at this point or three games, and they just tried to find areas to fit that formula. And you can understand why they did it. I mean, you know, they they have an idea, they have a vision for a racing game, they want to make that, but, uh, you know, they weren't. They, they, if I remember correctly, like with the first Horizon, you couldn't really go exactly anywhere. Uh, I think it was a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say linear because it's still an open world, but like you, you didn't have those crazy cross country races that you had in later games. Like I think in two is kind of where that took more of a, I don't know. I'm sure somebody who played horizon one more than I did could tell me whether I'm right or wrong on that. But, uh, I, yeah, I think, I think with four, they kind of took that game to its Zenith and yeah, I think it's. I think it's a time to reset I'm, I'm excited i'm really excited to see what happens with it uh especially because with both motorsport and horizon because with the new with the new consoles coming out this year we've heard gran turismo 7 could be a launch title for a ps5 would not be surprised if motorsport uh seven seven eight eight <laughs> jesus christ uh was a launch <laughs> title for uh the xbox series x yeah me either and like i was saying the fact that Xbox Game Pass is the, the new norm for Microsoft as well. Hopefully that'll allow the studios to be a bit more um, experimental and adventurous as well. So like you can kind of break up that expected formula with some new stuff and uh, the actual repercussions in terms of player base I imagine wouldn't be too severe. Definitely. Yeah, and then like you said, they're riding high. So they're they're in they have the ability to kind of chart their own course at this point, which is great because uh, I think a lot of our racing game devs and the uh, publishers would kill for that. So yeah, I think I think that's a good one. Um, and I think that's a, a good one to end on. There are so many other takes. Uh, you should all go take a look at them. We might yep. uh, just link to that thread because it's a very long one uh, when we put this episode out. And uh, yeah, I mean, why not keep it going? If if you have any, if if any of these <laughs> spurred a new take in you, something you need to get out into the world, uh, you you know you can always come to Time Extend with your or spicy opinions we're always willing to hear them you just have to be prepared for us to disagree with them or to call them <laughs> out for poten potentially being bad we, we try to be nice about it but some of these i mean yeah whatever anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah a special shout out to the guy who said outside of mario kart the entire genre is laughably boring so <laughs> that that's a take <laughs> Whether your take was good or bad, where we agree with it or disagree with it, um, we thank you for for uh, sending it to us. And um, hey, we're just people on the internet with an opinion. It's fine. It doesn't really mean anything what we think. Yeah, exactly. Um, to be honest, it's it's always great seeing what other people who listen to the show think as well, because it does inspire this level of conversation. Um, don't get me wrong, some of the stuff like we're saying was a bit surprising, like um, the, the other person who randomly said Mass Effect was incredibly underrated so, oh yeah, that was, uh, that Mass was Effect a is a racing game great racing game but, take great racing game take 
Yeah. <laughs> I, you, you see those every now and then. There was another one that was a not about racing game. And I just, <laughs> I, I love it when people just, it's, it's already asking people for their most controversial take is asking them to be impulsive already. And then you add that yeah. other layer of being so impulsive. You didn't even read the entire question. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's Twitter. That's just Twitter. Yeah, summed up. Twitter. Um, so yes, this, this has been time extent as always. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I uh, do want to give a, a shout out to something you mentioned earlier. We, we have started in the discord, um, which uh, is like always at the top of our Twitter page, time underscore extend. So you can, you can go grab the link to that discord there if you want to be a part of our community. We have started doing uh, kind of competitions essentially um, where yeah. you guys right now are playing uh, much more and I've been invested in it. You guys are playing Samuel <laughs> Revo on the regular, yeah. having these time trial challenges um, led by, uh, by Andy, which is uh, really, really cool. So that's awesome to see and that is something that you know i think you guys are going from game to game right so i don't know what's next on the agenda but uh if you want to go back and play something old with a bunch of people who will also appreciate it and probably be the only people in the world playing on the server so you definitely have no issues trying to find the right <laughs> the right lobby um go check out the time extend discord and check out uh the time trial challenges yeah definitely worth looking into um andy hamilton's running with the, the whole thing um he's keeping us in the dark every time the next racing game's going to appear and uh yeah definitely worth checking out if you're interested in that type of thing so uh keep, keep your eyes peeled yep definitely and on that note we are going to uh end the show so again thank you so much and we'll see you again soon cheers guys <laughs> <laughs>